That being said, Bibles open, Romans chapter 1, Acts chapter 16. Last week we discovered that Paul was a slave of Jesus Christ. This week we're going to see how he was called as an apostle. Verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So after having identified himself as a slave, he now identifies himself and he writes, called as an apostle. For us to fully understand, appreciate, and get the most out of what he's trying to say to us, uh, we need to understand what he means when he says called and what he means when he says apostle. Uh, So we're going to start with the word apostle. Uh, The word apostle means one who is sent by authority with a commission. One who is sent by authority with a commission. An apostle is a representative or an ambassador. A person who is sent out into one country to represent another. The term apostle appears 79 times in the New Testament. Occasionally, the term is used in a very broad and general sense uh, to describe believers. In fact, uh, Paul has this in mind when he's referring to some early Christians who were uh, active in sharing the gospel. And he writes in Romans chapter 16, verse number 17, he says to greet Andronicus and Unius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who are outstanding among the other believers sharing the gospel, who, are also, uh, who also were in Christ before me. So in a very broad sense, the, the term apostle can refer to all believers because every believer has been sent into the world given an assignment by Jesus Christ. And that assignment is in sharing the gospel. But the term apostle is primarily used as a very specific and unique title that was reserved for 13 individuals. 13 individuals would be the 12 plus Paul. And to give clarity about the 12, uh, it's the 12 disciples minus Judas plus Matthias. When did the disciples become apostles? Maybe we'll back up there. Let me help you understand. The word disciple, uh, that, is, uh, that means a learner or a follower. The word apostle is one who is sent with an assignment, given a commission, right? So while Jesus was on earth in his ministry, right, the 12 were disciples. They learned from him. He, they taught They were taught by Jesus. They were trained by him. But after his resurrection, Jesus sends them with a specific mission, right? He gives them the the mission. Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 1. He says, all authority in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. That's the assignment. That's the commission. So the 12, Judas isn't around. He's now been replaced. So you have the 12 plus Paul. 
Paul is included because he was personally chosen by Jesus Christ and given the assignment uh, to, to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles and help the establishment of the church. So you need to understand that there are three things uh, that are true of an apostle. First of all, an apostle belongs to the one who sent them out. An apostle belongs to the one who sent them. Paul's already identifying himself as a slave. Purchased by Jesus, he belonged to him. So he is owned by Jesus, and Jesus is the one that sends them out. Number two, they are commissioned to be sent out. They have a purpose, they have a calling, they have an assignment, and they've been commissioned to carry that assignment out. And then number three, an apostle possesses the authority and the power of the one who sent them. The apostle possesses the authority and the power of the one who sent them. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority that has been given unto him in heaven and on earth, and he gives them the assignment. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, after this you'll receive the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to carry out the assignment to which they've been given. See, I, I believe that there is a better way for us to both see and to understand what Paul is truly saying here in verse number 1. Because this next phrase, the phrase that we're camping out in today, is only two Greek words. Those two Greek words were kletos apostolos. Kletos apostolos. Uh, those two words, it, it just means called apostle. So I think a better rendering of this translation would be uh, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, a called apostle. When you, when you hear it that way, that, that clears up any potential confusion because when we, when we hear it as a called apostle, we now understand that Paul was doing this not because it was something that he chose for himself. He didn't pick that position, nor was he elected by other believers. No, Paul was divinely called by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so to see that calling that Jesus put in his life, I want you to see it in Scripture. That's why I had you find Acts chapter 16. So in Acts chapter 16, look at Paul's own words, beginning in verse number 9. He says, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest, the authority and the commission of the chief priest, serving as an apostle to the chief priest, that's the, that's the, the, the role that he was doing, right? He says, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, 
Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescue you from the Jewish people and, and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Paul talks about how Jesus calls and assigns him to a very specific task. Paul clearly understood what God was commanding him to do with his life. So much so that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. God had given Paul a very specific assignment. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul puts it this way. He writes, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then later on in chapter 1, in verse number 10, he says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a slave of Christ. And so, Paul understood the assignment that was given to him. Paul understood that, that Jesus was calling him to be an apostle a representative, and God given him an assignment to go and proclaim the gospel, to reveal unto the people all the things that which uh, Jesus would reveal unto him. And so, uh, having looked at apostle just briefly, let's turn our attention to the word calling. That word is interesting. Uh, The word calling, or the verb to call, uh, is used many different ways within the scripture. I'll give you three of them. Uh, First of all, uh, there is God's calling to sinners to repent. God's calling to sinners to repent. Uh, Some would refer to this as a universal call or the external call of God. See, the call of God is contained within the gospel itself. For in the gospel, God calls men to repent to confess, to turn from their sins, and to turn to Christ. So this understanding of calling suggests that we have been given a divine command. That divine command is to repent. Repent and believe. Believe in Jesus. So now God will hold all people accountable for how they respond to the divine command. And so when the gospel is proclaimed, A call goes out to all people everywhere that they should repent and come to Christ. It seems pretty straightforward. But unfortunately, there there appears to be some confusion that exists within church today. Pastors will regularly end their sermon by having a, a time of 
response, if you will. And, and we'll do the same thing here, right? But, but the confusion comes in when, when we begin to offer that as an invitation. That's where our confusion comes in. Because what we're going to do even today is when I'm done bringing the message, we will have a time of personal reflection and response to what we've heard from the Word of God. But make no mistake, it's not an invitation. When we think of the word invitation, an invitation carries with it a moral right to either accept it or reject it. Me being invited to do something is not the same thing as me being commanded to do something. And so the point I'm trying to make is even, even today, we'll have that time of reflection and the opportunity to respond. But make no mistake, it is an opportunity to respond. It is a call unto repentance. It is not an invitation. Because an invitation is not the call of the gospel. Jesus does not invite us to repent. No, he commands us to repent. Acts chapter 17, verse number 30, makes it crystal clear. There it says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. To fully appreciate it, understand what that word declaring actually means. It comes from this Greek word that means it's a command. God is giving an order. So, to understand it, God is now commanding us that all people everywhere should repent. God is now giving orders that all people everywhere should repent. And we are held accountable for how we respond to God's command, His direction, the imperative that's been given to us all. So there's that first call. It is the external call of God. Then the second call would be the internal call of God. Some might refer to this as the salvific call of God. Salvific is a word that just simply means referring to salvation. So this, uh, the second call is a salvific call or the internal call of God. The internal call is understood as God's sovereign drawing of a sinner unto salvation. The internal call to a sinner overwhelms their natural uh, inclination to rebel and they will willingly place their faith and trust. Who's at work? God's at work. Internal. Now the necessity of this internal call or this salvific call is emphasized in Jesus' own words. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse number 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That is the internal calling of God. You cannot come to God unless God is working internally to call you to him. In Matthew chapter 22, verse number 14, Jesus says it this way, For many are called, but few are chosen. You have the external call going out, and you see the internal call as well. Jesus distinguishes 
between the universal call that everyone receives in hearing the gospel and the internal call that actually leads someone to repent and receive the salvation that's being talked about in the gospel in that external call. I hope that makes sense. Luke writes about it, and he writes about it in Acts chapter 16. Uh, this should hopefully convince you. Luke, I mean, Acts chapter 16, verse number 14, and he writes, he says, a woman named Lydia uh, from a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And then he says, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. The Lord opening her heart that's the internal call of God that's occurring in Lydia's life. So, so make no mistake, the gospel is available to everyone. I firmly believe that. John chapter 3, verse number 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but they have eternal life. So the gospel is available to everyone But because of our sinful nature and our complete unrighteousness, no one will respond to the universal call of the gospel without first God impressing upon them the internal call to repent. So we have this external call and we see this internal call. And then there's a third way that calling is used in the scripture. And that's what we're going to see here in Paul's life. The third way is the Bible often mentions people being called by God for a specific purpose, for a specific ministry, for, for a specific assignment. So to be called by God is to be chosen by God for a particular purpose, for that divine assignment. Our children this morning in their story time they're listening to uh, the life uh, of jonah and jonah is a beautiful illustration for the calling of god because jonah was called by god given a specific purpose and an assignment but jonah refused to surrender to that call Instead of being obedient to the call of God, Jonah ran from God and went in the total opposite direction of God's calling. But thankfully, God pursued his disobedient servant. Ultimately, Jonah submitted and surrendered his will unto God and was obedient to the call of God. But there's a lot of events that occurred from his initial disobedience to his somewhat obedience that you see later in his writing. So so knowing of Jonah's disobedience beforehand, God prepared a great fish that would be divinely at the right place at the right time to swallow that dude up when they threw him overboard. And it was in the belly of that great fish that, that once he humbled himself unto God, that that great fish projectile vomited that disobedient servant up on dry land what a scene that must have been jonah back on dry land again and then the word of the lord came to jonah a second time extending him the same call the same call 
giving him another opportunity. And this time, Jonah obeyed. When I think about that, man, aren't you glad that God is patient with his children? Aren't you glad that he extends unto us a second chance? Another opportunity? I mean, come on. How many of us are in desperate need of a second chance even today? Every believer, every child of God has been given an assignment by God that we're to fulfill with our lives. We all have a divine calling on our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10 puts it this way. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Just think, remember back to to last week. uh, Because Jesus was Paul's Lord, because Jesus was Paul's master, that we know that Paul was owned by our Lord. He was purchased by Jesus. He was possessed by Jesus. Jesus owned Paul. But not only that, right? Paul served the Lord. Paul knew that that he existed for the purpose of service unto his master. And then Paul's will belonged to Jesus. His will and ambition on his own was dead. Now he took on the will and the ambition of his master, our Lord. So God called Paul to be an apostle. The question for all of us is what has God called you to do? What has he called you to be or to become? I believe that God's specific call on our lives usually begins with a burden for a particular need that relates to the kingdom of God. And if you're unsure of what God is calling you to do with your life and how you're to serve him, I would encourage you to begin to consider what are the things that you feel a burden for? And could it be that that burden is being used by God to to help motivate, equip, and encourage you to step in a particular field of action or ministry so that you can serve him rightly? And the, the possibilities are endless. Thankfully, some people are called by God to enter into the political arena. And I say, oh, how I pray and wish that more God-fearing men and women would answer God's call by stepping in into our political arena and bringing great clarity and cleaning up the mess that we find ourselves in. Some people are called to do that. Others are not. Some are called to to see uh, to the uh, abolishment of abortion. Amen for that calling. Called to bring an end to, to human trafficking. Some are called uh, to to the ministry of encouragement or hospitality. Other people are called to be pastors, teachers, missionaries, nursery workers, baby rockers, kitchen prep to serve the church and serve the community. Some are called to be Bible translators. I mean, you name it, the the possibilities are endless of things that we are called 
could be called to do that would honor and glorify God. So here's what we need to understand. We are not all called to the same thing, but we are all called to something. We're not all called to the same thing, but we are all called to something. So again, the question for you, what is it that God has called you to? If you're just like frustrated in that pursuit and you're lacking an understanding of that, question that we consider is, how do we know what we've been called to do? I believe that we can discover our call to a specific area of service by walking closely with the Lord. By walking closely with Him. What does it mean to walk closely with our Lord? It means that we're going to study His Word, that we're going to devour the Word of God. Not just read it in passing, but really dig into it, devouring the Word of God. We're going to practice obedience. We're going to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we're going to do whatever God's called us to do. We're going to give whatever God tells us to give. We're going to you know, speak to whomever God leads us to speak to. We're going to practice obedience in our lives as we seek to study and devour the Word of God. And in that faithful, consistent practicing of His Word, we'll have greater clarity of the specific ministry and calling that God has put in place upon our lives. That's why Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, he says, For this reason also, since the day that we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in the manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he says, he says, not stop praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And then he says in verse 10, so that we'll walk in a manner worthy unto the Lord. How do we walk in the manner worthy unto the Lord? Well, we do so when we've been filled with the knowledge of his will. And when we're walking rightly, we're carrying out what he's called us to do, then that pleases him in all respects. We begin to bear good fruit off of our good work. And as we increase in the knowledge of God, then we're greatly encouraged to do what God has called us to do. And again, what has God called you to do? Calling is not optional. God puts a calling upon all of his children. That's why you've been gifted with the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit can strengthen and equip you to carry out the calling that God has placed upon you. And how beautiful is that? That God not only expects us to do something specific that He's designed us to do, but He also enables us through His own Spirit to carry out the expectations that He's placed upon us. What a loving God that is. We need to be faithful and obedient. A final thought, and then I'm done. And it's just an observation over these first two phrases. And as Paul humbly calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. 
then he says that he's been called apostle. He's been sent. He's been commissioned with the authority of Jesus. You should understand that for a Roman citizen, which Paul was, to choose to be identified as a slave would have been unthinkable. But that's what title he, he embraced. And why did he embrace it? He embraced it because Paul chose to be completely dependent upon the Lord. Not only was he dependent upon the Lord, he was completely obedient to his master. Dependent upon the Lord, obedient to his master. Which begs the question for all of us, what is our attitude towards Christ? Is he your master? Will you seek to serve him with who you are and what you do? Will you choose obedience to the will of God over your pursuit of doing your own thing your own way? May you know that obedience begins as we renounce all other masters in our lives and we fully submit and surrender us to the master, Jesus Christ, Lord, Savior. Seeking to discover his will, may we each offer our lives to live in accordance to it. Which means, to live in accordance to his will, we're going to have to deliberately set aside distractions in our lives. You need to understand, sometimes these distractions aren't necessarily bad things, right? You realize that you have good things surrounding you in your life that are distracting you from pursuing the God thing that he's placed before you. And so you need to, to be focused, strategically focused. What is it that God's called me to do? How has God equipped me to serve? What is it that God is expecting and asking of me from my life? It's the call of the gospel. We repent from our sins, believing in Jesus Christ. We relinquish our whatever rights we think we have to pick and choose who we are and what we do. We turn that over to Jesus as our master, and we say, now my will belongs to you. My desire is what you desire. I exist to serve and to bring honor and glory unto you where will you have me serve. Let's pray, church. As we pray, I want you to consider have you completely submitted and surrendered your life unto Jesus? If he's your Lord, then that means you're his slave. Better to be a slave of righteousness than a slave of sin. How will you serve him? Will you surrender your will and your ambition unto a king of kings? Will you willingly embrace the will of God for your life? Paul was called to be an apostle. What is God calling you to? Do you know? How is he leading you? 
in our time of response and reflection. Oh, Father, I pray that your Spirit would guide us, make known unto us the decisions that we need to make right here and right now. And God, put upon us the burden and the realization that that submit and surrendering our lives is really not something that's optional. It's what you expect from us. May this place be filled with with hearts and souls of, of men and women who repent before you, trusting in Christ for our salvation and submitting our lives of service unto him. Oh God, how are you calling us today? What is it that you desire from us? And as we reflect in this moment, Father, I pray that we would have the conviction and the courage to make decisions right here, right now, that would honor and please you. We would not rush through this time, but may we rightfully reflect and may we choose the right things right now.